because of Facebook, I'm able to keep in touch with friends um, that I had lost track of uh, for many years. One of them is a friend of mine from college. He's uh, he's now living in Alabama, and uh, periodically he posts something on his Facebook page, and I see it. The other day, he posted something that he said was a real disappointment to him. It was a photograph, and what had happened is he had gone into his local Walmart, and in the back part of the store, they had put up Christmas decorations. And he said that was so disappointing that in August, they're putting up Christmas decorations. There was a photo of a little white plastic snowman and some um, uh, light rope. And he said that, that was wrong. And I, I, have, I think any, any right-thinking person would agree that there's something wrong with Christmas decorations in August. But I sent him a picture um, that I took that I found to be even more wrong, which was when I look out the window of my house, I look at the birch trees, and the leaves are turning yellow. <laughs> now, I have not figured out this whole Alaska thing, but it doesn't seem fair to me that, that it could possibly be winding down here this summer. The, the moose that, that wanders through this neighborhood, um, she had two calves in May. How can she possibly fatten them up enough to get them through the winter if fall comes in August? <laughs> Something is wrong here. God God has disappointed me. Mother Nature is letting us down. I don't know how people survive here. Amen. I am... Uh, maybe I'll know this time next year. I don't know. Maybe maybe I won't. Um, we'll just have to see. But, but there are things in life that disappoint us. I was disappointed. I was so disappointed yesterday to hear that Neil Armstrong had, had passed on. Um... He was, he was my hero growing up. He was the man who walked on the moon. It's his footprint. There are things that disappoint us in life. Uh, there are people who disappoint us. There are situations that disappoint us. And we have our ways of dealing with those. But today I want to talk about the really deep problem. What do we do when God disappoints us? That's, that's the situation of the people in, in the Bible, the passage that we just looked at. They had gone out to see Jesus because he was a holy man and he could do all the things that they wanted him to do, but he was disappointing them. Now see, it's easy, it's easy to love God. It's easy to, to admire God and to obey God when everything is going your way, when God is pushing the right buttons in your life. We saw that all summer long. We looked at the story of King David. And even when David wasn't obeying God, God was blessing David. We saw that over and over again. And it's so easy then to love a God who is always blessing you. But the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at a different story. We've been looking at what's called the bread of life discussion. Jesus, Jesus has this discussion with people about the bread of life. And the problem is, it's not what they want. Uh, he's telling them, just like David, you can be blessed. God longs to bless you and God will continue to bless you. But sometimes the way God blesses you is with something you're not expecting. Instead of giving you bread, God gives you bread of life. And they're saying, I don't want bread of life. I want bread. God has let them down. God has given them something other than what they were expecting. So we're going to be looking at that today. That's the problem of the people in the Bible. God has, God has given them what they don't want. See, they thought they understood what God was giving them. And they had good reasons to believe. They 
heard about a man named Jesus who is doing all kinds of things. They've been watching him or hearing about him for the last couple of chapters of John's Gospel. We've been seeing the way he's been, he's been, well, he began by turning water into wine. Who, who can't like that? But, but then he went and he healed people. He restored people's health. He, there was somebody who was near death and he, he brought them back uh, from, from the brink of death. There was a man in chapter 5 who was lame for his whole life and Jesus restored his ability to walk. Jesus has been doing really high caliber miracles. And so as, as the word has gotten around, people have started hearing about Jesus. They decided to go out and see for themselves. So these people all went out to the desert. They went out to the wilderness and they saw Jesus with their own eyes and he did things that took their breath away. He fed a multitude with five loaves and two fishes. 5,000 men, probably the same number of women, and then their kids were looking at 15, 20,000 people got fed with, with a handful of food. Jesus did miracles. And because of that, they believed that he was the one that God had promised to send, the Messiah, that God had promised them centuries ago in the scriptures that he would send a Messiah, a, a, an anointed king to sit in the throne of his ancestor David, to set everything to right, to make everything right again. And they had come to believe that's who Jesus was. But when they started to give him a crown, he slipped through their fingers and disappeared on them. It took them a day to track him down, and when they did, he didn't want to talk about a a crown or a throne. He started talking to them about bread and manna and wilderness and and life and 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 drinking blood he started talking a bunch of religious gobbledygook and they didn't want to hear it they didn't want any part of it can you imagine just imagine the frustration that they must have felt for 6 centuries their country has been under the boot well sandal i don't know if they had invented boots yet but they've been under the boot of foreign oppressors first the babylonians and then the Persians, then the Greeks, and for about a hundred years now, the Romans. They have been under the boot of these foreign oppressors. But God promised centuries before that that this was not permanent, that someday He would send a Messiah to straighten things out. And they thought Jesus was the one. They went out there. They, they didn't just believe the rumors they heard. They went out and saw it for themselves. They went out and watched Him do these things. See, for a hundred, two hundred years, there had been people who had come along and they said, I'm the one. And they assembled a band of followers and they would like strike some military garrison and it would end the same way. The rebellion would be crushed. So they weren't going to be fooled this time. They went out and convinced themselves, this is not just some guy who's a, who's a good fighter. This is not just some guy who's a charismatic leader. This is a guy who's got God's anointing all over him. He can do the real deal. He does miracles that take your breath away. He is the one. He's the one that God promised centuries ago, and finally, in our lifetimes, He's come. But He's not doing the job. When we try to to nudge Him along, when we try to give Him a throne, He refuses it and starts talking about bread of life. Can you imagine how disappointed they were with Jesus? I think we can imagine because we've all been disappointed with God. Every one of us has been disappointed with God from time to time. 
Maybe not all the time. Maybe most of the time things are okay for us. But there are times when we're disappointed with God. When the doctor says the cancer has returned, we're disappointed with God. When our mother's Alzheimer's gets worse and worse and we can't find a dosage of mood-altering drugs to keep her from driving us all crazy. We're disappointed with God. When we go to the preacher and we say our marriage is not what it should be and we do all the things he says and it just keeps getting worse, we're disappointed with God. When we pray but the company doesn't turn around and now we hear they're going to outsource our functions. When the kid down the street, the neighbor kid used to cut the grass, when he gets in the car one night and goes out with his friends and the car flips over and three young lives are swiped out just like that. When every village along an entire coast is devastated by a tsunami... We're disappointed with God. We want to know, why does God let this stuff happen? Why doesn't God answer our prayers? What is wrong with God? We can identify with these people. We know what it is to be disappointed with God. So what do we do? See, we we, we know what to do in the general case. If something disappoints us, we know what to do. We live in a land of abundance. We live in a society where what you do is you do something else. Right? You go to a restaurant, you don't like the food, you don't like the service. Okay, there's plenty of restaurants in the Yellow Pages. For those of you who don't remember, Yellow Pages are these things. <laughs> you used to get them by your mailbox and they're full of ads. But, but there's lots of restaurants out there. You can always go to another restaurant. You go to Walmart and you're offended by the Christmas decorations in August, you can go to Target. And if they've got them too, well, you go to Fred Meyer's, okay? And they're probably there, but you'll never find them because it's so huge. Okay. <laughs> you have options, right? That's the way we think in our society. If you don't like it here, try it there. If you don't like that, try something else. Keep trying until you find what you like. That's the way we roll. That's our society in a nutshell. In fact, it begins to affect how we think about other people, right? You know, you, some, somebody says they're having trouble in their relationship. And, and what do we say? We say, basically, that's too bad. We really had great hopes for you, but, oh well, there's plenty of fish in the sea. We assume that there's always something else you can try. Even in the church. Even in the church. You like the church, but this new pastor, uh, not so sure about him. Okay, or maybe it's the music. You know, the music is not what you like or it's not it's not performed to your standards. You don't like that song. They keep playing it all the time. The theology is too liberal. The theology is too conservative. The denomination does things that make you go crazy. So what do you do? You get up out of your pew and you vote with your feet. There's another church down the road. Try it out. If you don't like it, there's another church the other direction. That's the way Our country works. But what about God? What do you do when it's God who disappoints you? Well, we see in the Bible what a lot of people do. We read in verse 60, 
Jesus has been telling them what they didn't want to hear. He's telling them he can give them eternal life and they want to know about bread. They want to know about an earthly crown and an earthly empire. And so when Jesus talks about bread in verse 60, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? And Jesus says, well, if this offends you, maybe you'd like it better if you could see who I really was. But they can't. He's just Jesus. They can't see what he was like in glory. They can't see what it was like if he ascended to where he was before. And because of this, verse 66, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. They voted with their feet. They didn't like what they got, and they voted with their feet. And so Jesus turns to the twelve, his inner inner circle, his closest friends among the the disciples. Notice, this was the disciples, by the way. I glossed over that. In verse 60, it says, when many of his disciples heard it. Verse 61, Jesus being aware his disciples were complaining about him. Verse 66, because of this, many of his disciples. See, we have no expectations of the crowd. They come and they go. They hear there's something new in town, they go look it over, they see the show, and then they go back to whatever they were doing. But these are his disciples. His disciples are turning away from him. So he turns to the inner group, the group of 12 disciples, and says, what about you? Do you want to leave too? And I love how Peter answers. First of all, I just love, I love, I love Peter's answer because Peter is not known, if you study what Peter has to say in the Bible, Peter's not known for tact. Peter usually leads with his mouth and the brain comes along a little bit later. Okay, that's Peter for you. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. Peter just kind of blurts out what's on the top of his mind. But here he shows some tact because he does not answer the question that Jesus asked. Jesus says, do you want to leave too? And Peter doesn't answer the question because it's obvious, of course he wants to leave. We all want to leave. You're not telling us, Jesus, what we thought you would tell us. You're talking about bread of life. We want to hear about conquering our country back. You're jabbering about bread of life. Who wants to hear that? None of us want to hear that, Jesus. But that's not what Peter says. You can hear it in what he does say, but he actually pulls back and doesn't say it. He says instead, where would we go? Yeah, we'd like to go, but where? You're not Target. You're not Walmart. There is nobody across the street we can go to because you are the one with the words of eternal life. And then Peter says something that is so profound, and it is so amazing. It's Peter. Peter, who is known for two great acts of faith, one positive, one negative. The great act of faith where Peter steps out of the boat Jesus is walking across the lake. And Peter says, If it's you, Lord, call me and I'll come to you. And Jesus says, Come. And Peter gets out of the boat and walks a couple of steps in the water before his faith gives out and he begins to sink and Jesus has to rescue him. The one great act of faith where Peter steps out of the boat and the other great act of faith where he denies his Lord because his faith has departed. So he denies Jesus three times on the night of Jesus' arrest. Peter, the man of faith, he gives an answer here that ranks with those other two. He says, We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter shows 
such great faith here. See, critics, critics think that faith is believing in something for no reason. When you believe something and you don't really have a good reason to believe it, you know, I don't know, I just, I just take it on faith. That's what they think you mean when you say faith. But Peter shows us what faith really is. Faith is believing something when you don't like it and it would be easy to walk away. That is faith. And it's the same thing for us. That's what faith is for us. We should have the same kind of faith that Peter shows here. See, it's easy to have faith when the circumstances are right, when everything is perfect. You go outside at night and you see the Milky Way and it's beautiful and you just say, oh, what a great God made this world. You look at the Grand Canyon. Oh, it's so beautiful. You're up on a mountaintop. It's great and you have faith. That's easy. You're at a youth retreat and there's a campfire and they've been doing things all day long. You have faith. That's that's great. You go to the you go to the revival, the big churches got the building downtown, and you go to the revival, they got the big speaker in there, and and you put your trust in Jesus. That's great. I am not running that down. There's nothing wrong with that. That's important. That when God speaks to our heart to respond in faith, I'm not running that down. But that's not what's going to see us through. Because that's easy. When the circumstances are perfect and we have faith, that's the easy kind of faith. The kind of faith Peter shows here is the hard kind. The kind when you don't like what God's doing and you wish he would do something else and he has disappointed you enormously. But you hang on to what you believe when it would be easy to let go of it. Not long ago, I had the opportunity to meet someone. He described himself this way. He said he was an alcoholic addict. And he had been sober just over three months. And he said he was hoping that his life would get easier. And in some ways it did. Little bits and pieces here and there kind of got better. But overall, he said his life was harder now. Three months sober and his life had gotten harder. But he said he thought he might make it. He might learn to live with his addictions because he believed in the program and it didn't make it easier. But he believed in it. He believed in the program. He believed in the process. He believed in the higher power that was healing him. The easy thing to do is like these disciples to walk away, to say, well, not me. Count me out. But faith is hanging on to what you've been convinced of when you come and know the Holy One of God, to hang on to that. When the cancer returns, when the Alzheimer's is driving everybody crazy, when the depression makes it so bad you can't get out of bed, when you hear about a 21-year-old girl dying of a blood disease... God is going to let you down. And faith is hanging on to what you know about the Holy One of God. Amen.